welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. What's up, Gale Nation? This is episode six of the IonHoops.com podcast. We've got a fun episode lined up for you this time around, and you're going to be hearing a lot of voices and not just the ones in your head like normal, like I hear. Uh, so last episode, we were talking about how I spent half my like, life working in medical education and communications. Uh, more specifically, I'm 50, and I started working in medicine when I was 25. Some of you know that before that, though, I was a sports writer way back when, when there actually were newspapers that people read. Uh, my degree focus at Iona was in journalism, actually. And in fact, when I was writing about high school sports from what is now the Journal News in Westchester before I even got out of college. Of course, some of those skills come into play with the production of this podcast in terms of planning content, developing questions for interviewees, etc. But let's not forget, first and foremost, when it comes to Iona Hoops, I'm a fan. I'm a fan who developed the podcast. And while it's nice that I've lined up good guests in order to bring you quality opinions uh, about Iona and the Mac Hoops uh, and, and uh, display some sort of professionalism and credibility, every now and then it's nice to hear your voices too. Yeah, we're going to have plenty of uh, journalist types and and uh, college basketball writers on as the season goes on uh but it's an off season it could be a long off season so we want to hear some different voices and even some of you some of the fans i'd like to hear some voices um i'm also going to tinker with the idea of doing a regular quote-unquote call-in uh if i if i can figure out the uh technology of that um where we have maybe a take a, a one caller per podcast or something like that we'll f- we'll figure that out down the line but uh anyway i do want to hear from you you guys are the fans i'm a fan too so we all have opinions on things i'm just the idiot with the microphone at the moment so let's hear what everybody else has to say uh with that said for this episode, I've put together a panel, if you want to call it that, of Iona basketball fans to share their own thoughts on everything Gales, uh, maybe from the program's history, because we've got an old guy or two in here, uh, to this year's recruiting class in the hiring of Rick Pitino. Uh, the fans appearing in this podcast are longtime fans of Iona basketball. Each has had his own unique take on, well, everything, as you're about to see for yourselves. Before we hear from our guests and before we hit the regular features of this podcast you all know and love and can't live without, I just want to remind all listeners, this podcast, again, it's for you guys. And as such, I want to hear from you with suggestions from other regular features I should implement to possible guests to consider. Given our COVID climate, we may not be playing ball until January, so we may have another five months of off-season to fill here. Um... So if you've got ideas to enhance this, let me know via Twitter at ionhoops.com. I'm hoping for waves of suggestions from you all. And speaking of waves, it's time for the Mac Tide Report. Now, things have slowed down in terms of recruiting and transfers, so there's not much of a tide at the moment, per se. Uh, So I'm going to adjust the plan for this and only give you a tide report when the tide actually changes a bit. Uh, But I do still have one for today. Sorry to go all hashtag Mac after dark on you all, but well, the cocks are rising. Let's uh, last season, St. Peter's became the Mac darlings with their rise to prominence after being projected to end up near the bottom of the standings. Shaheen Holloway did took a just mostly young group of peacocks and utilized defense and depth to just grind their way to a top two finish, including not one, not two, but three last second wins over our beloved Gales. Holloway has a bit of work to do this offseason after losing Mac rookie of the year Aaron Estrada to transfer. Don't get me started on transfers again, people. But a solid core is back, led by defensive stud Casey Nadefo and our ta- and talented guards Daryl Banks and Doug Edert. Everyone's got CNI on his one and two in this league, 
but let's not forget the Peacocks. They they don't play in a very they don't impress you and they don't really pass an eye test, but they win games. Like St. Peter's, Fairfield also relied on its defense for most part last season. Unlike St. Peter's, the Stags did not have, did not have a knack for closing out games and last minute heroics, uh, and ended up in the pig. Further, Jay Young loses four of his top six scores for a team that couldn't score. The Stags hit the transfer market hard in hopes of finding answers, and if two or three of those transfers produce, the Stags could be a threat to escape the pig. But if not, the seller is indeed a possible destination. I know there are some Fairfield listeners out there, and they may not be happy with that assessment. There's a lot of big ifs, though, in there. And now let's go to our feature that's not going to leave us anytime soon, and that is, of course, Iona Iotas. Iona Iotas. Some big recruiting news, literally. Iona received a 2021 verbal commitment from 611 center Trey James. James is either a four or three star recruit, depending on which recruiting site you're looking at. I don't think all that matters, all that much of you guys remember our interview with Brandon Goble. Um, he originally committed to Wake Forest, but decommitted when Danny Manning was canned. Uh, chose Iona over Iowa, which, make no mistake, recruited him hard. It wasn't like Iowa had other choices. Uh, he was starting to get interest from other majors as well, including Marquette, Georgia, and Virginia Tech. This is the Patino effect, people. Iona. Iona. Classes at Iona start up today, August 10th. That means the entire team is on campus and workouts can get underway. Of course, those who came from areas of high risk from COVID arrived a couple weeks ago as they had to quarantine for two weeks. This includes guys like Dylan Van Eyck, Talik Chavez, and Osborne Chima, among others. But now, finally, the staff can meet with and work with these guys face-to-face instead of on Zoom. Uh, hopefully, we'll start receiving word about how these workouts are going and get a feel for what the team is starting to look like as, as we move forward. Iona. Iona. In the last episode of this podcast, we talked with Coach Jaden Daly of the Iona Heat Check Simulation team. Well, just like that, the regular season of Heat Check Sim has ended, and Jaden's led Iona to a 22-6 overall record, including 13-3 in MAC play. Yes, they don't play as many league games in the simulation season. Iona's overall computer rating is 67 with the 73rd ranked offense and, get this, the 27th ranked defense. The Gales enter the Heat Sim. Mac Turney is the three seed, believe it or not, despite having a 13-3 record. But it's clear they're in the bubble should they fall short in the tournament. Follow Heat Check Iona on Twitter to keep up with the simulated action as Jaden prepares the Gales for postseason play. So in an effort to spare you all of having to listen to me ramble on incessantly in this podcast, I've assembled some Iona fans here today to form the first ever IonaHoops.com podcast roundtable. We're going to talk to three regulars on the IonaHoops.com message board. They've all been part of the board for many years. Uh, so if you've been on the IonaHoops message board, you know their names. Uh, each of them has, has at least one area of Iona fandom expertise, if you will. Uh, so we're going to talk about a variety of aspects uh, of life as Iona basketball fan, and these guys are are three of the best out there that can that can give us some guidance, especially if you're new to the board or if you if you're a younger fan that's new and just want to hear some uh, some interesting stuff from a bunch of old guys who have been around because we're all old guys here. Uh, so we'll be tapping into this esteemed roundtable uh, panel to do some of that today. Uh, so there's no polite way to say this, so I'm just going to say it. The IonHoops.com poster super is here today representing the old guys on the Iona message board, uh, or as we've all come to know them in Mac circles, the blue hairs. Well, I can tell you that Super does not, in fact, have blue hair. Uh, we do want to wish him 
happy birthday today. It's his 71st birthday, just to give you an idea of his age. Uh, and, of course, that means he has an extensive history of following on basketball, dating back to the glory years of the program in the late 70s, of course, that Valvano, Valvano era. Uh, super, thank you for joining our roundtable today. Happy to be here and happy to share my birthday with you there, Guy. Um, when Jim Valvano was hired at Iona, uh, I was convinced that we had hired a nut job. Okay, he's, he, Iona had no no basketball history, no no uh, no folklore going back uh, at any time. They had a decent program, well known uh, locally, but uh, Valvano started talking about getting Iona to the nine o'clock game at the Garden and getting us to the NCAA tournament. The nine o'clock game at the Garden was big because this was pre-ESPN, and nine o'clock at the Garden was incredible. So. When I first met him, I said, uh, he's not going to last too long, and he's, go he's going nowhere. Uh, lo and behold, uh, two years later, uh, we find out that uh, Valvano uh, could, could not have his team participate in the ECAC uh, tournament, which led to an NCAA bid because he had scheduled too many games and it would have been a violation. So, uh, But only Jim Valvano could explain that away, saying that he didn't think his team was going to be good enough. Uh, but from then on, uh, Iona history and basketball history really took off. Um, two NCAA tournaments with Valvano. Uh, the first one was kind of funny uh, in that um, nobody knew what to do. Nobody at the college knew what to do. They didn't know how to get tickets. They didn't know how to get people there. It was really a kind of a funny thing. And going to the first NCAA game in Iona history was just an incredible experience. And it's been, ironically, it was at uh, North Carolina State where Valvano ultimately wound up. But uh, but being a fan then um, was very difficult, not like it is now. Information was not readily available. Uh, we had very few sources of information, mostly the local uh, local uh, newspapers, the Daily News, uh, maybe the, the, the local OHUD paper at the time. Uh, and so we relied on a source called Eastern Basketball, which came out every two weeks. Eastern Basketball gave you uh, updated statistics, uh, updated uh, uh, updated information about most of the schools in the East, and it was a really great source of information. And coincidentally, uh, Ray Floriani, who's one of Jaden Daly's partners at the Daily Dose of Hoops, was the author of Eastern Basketball. But the, the, the reason I'm bringing all of that up is that at the very beginning, we did not have information about the team the way we have it now. Uh, we just were starving for information. And as a result, on-campus time with Valvano, because he, he, he put on a show before and after every single game, that's where we got a lot of our information and occasionally got information at a bar down at the train station called the train station when Jim held court when his uh, uh when he wasn't when he wasn't coaching basketball but it was a very different time and uh the fans were very involved uh traveling quite extensively with the team mostly because i think that information now is so available you don't have to be as close to the program uh, as uh, uh, as we did then um, I think Pat Kennedy gets overlooked because I always, always view that as a Kennedy, a Valvano Kennedy era. Kennedy went to two NCAA tournaments, two NITs. He's a great assistant coach under Valvano and a great coach in and of himself. He's in the top 10, I think, all-time wins in NCAA history. Uh, we went through a period with, uh, with uh, uh, Brokaw, which we thought was a brilliant hire, which turned out to be a horrible hire, and, and not uh, enough for a, a lot of reasons, mostly because he couldn't coach. The Jerry Welsh era, I hardly remember it. He came in, heralded, but then he brought Tim Welsh along with him, and we know what went on from there. And I think Jeff Ruland is probably our most underrated coach. Uh, uh, and I, I think he gets a lot of garbage. He, he won only because he had Welsh's kids. Jeff was a great recruiter. He was a pretty good bench coach. He kept us in two, uh, two very tight NCAA games, 
And uh, he had a lot of specialty plays he ran. Out-of-bounds plays, side out-of-bounds plays, under the basket plays. Jeff, you could always count on Jeff doing something special. So uh, lots of different eras. But as the, the social media took over, uh, we get a ton of information now about recruits. We get information on schedules, opponents, uh, none of which was available at the time. So it's much more interesting now, but maybe a little less exciting because it's a little bit more mundane. Even when Sharky tells us we're going to get a kid, we can all find out everything we want about the kid, including videos, uh, instantaneously. At that, at, at the, in the old days, you didn't even know we were re recruiting a kid like that. So that's oh, a quick, maybe not so quick thumbnail on um, my background when I owned a college basketball since 1967. Well, that's that's actually an interesting point you bring up now. Do you think the the ease of getting information and the uh, is is actually taking away from being fans? And maybe that's something why uh, we don't have a lot of younger fans part of our social media circle, if you will. I, I think that's part of it. I think it's very easy not to participate personally because you can almost participate virtually, and um, I think that I think that's a big a, a big part of it, and. Um, I think our coaches, our recent coaches in particular, have been a little more uh, closed mouth than Pat Kennedy and uh, Jeff Ruland and uh, uh, certainly Jim Valvano. Mm, okay. Um, well, we're going to talk more about that in a little bit uh, because uh, we're going to get into where where the program is headed, and I, I do think that ties into bringing in some younger blood, and so we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, uh, just before I let you, before we move on, I just wanted to ask you um, if you had to compare, like, the era of, say, Valvano to what we've experienced in the past decade with Tim Kluis, uh what were the biggest differences in your mind? Well, I mean, Tim, it was mostly longevity with Tim. I mean, uh, Tim, you got to know Tim, you got to know his family. Uh, Valvano was around for five years. First few years, nobody paid attention to him. As I said, they thought he was a nut job. And... Uh, but Tim, you know, came in and a whole, whole different affect. And I think the, um, yeah, the, the way he won so many games, I mean, it's just, you know, if you look back at his record, we just take so much for granted with Tim. Uh, we didn't have that kind of longevity with, uh, with Valvano. And, um, you know, Patino uh, quote, quotes and Vital, is, I actually ran into Vital down here, and he quotes uh, Valvano as saying, the best times he had coaching was at Iona. And uh, I wonder, you know, I wonder how Jim really felt about that. Okay. Um, well, I, uh, Super, you've been one of the big travelers over the years, and we're going to seg to another one. Uh, uh, if you followed Iona basketball for the past couple decades and have been around the Iona message board for at least part of that time, you know there's a poster out there who has been labeled sort of a traveling jinx. And I'm speaking, of course, of, of Greg Crow. Uh, um, he's always seems to be present when Iona loses games, whether it's at, in New Rochelle or on the road somewhere. Uh, welcome, Greg. <laughs> Oh, well, so thanks for the fantastic introduction and for putting me on this panel. I, we've got, you know, Super on the panel, who's a walking encyclopedia of Iona history. Um, uh, and then and you, you added Sharky, who's like a basketball guru and uh, expert on recruiting. And, uh, and there's Greg Crow, who goes to a lot of games that Iona loses. <laughs> Traveling along, traveling along for the Iona basketball ride is a fun experience for fans. I don't get to do it as much as I would like. I'm going to try to do it more as my as I keep getting older and have the finances and time to do it. Um, 
you you and Super have set the bar high for hitting the road for the Gales. So what's been some of the, your favorite destinations for Iona Hoops that you visited over the years? Yeah, again, Super has hit more than I have, for, uh, at least in the last 20 years, I've hit quite a few. Um, you know, it, it's a hard call. I mean, I, I it depends on what, if you're looking on the basketball side, uh, my, my favorite place that I went to was Iowa State uh, in the middle. Of the <laughs> but that's because we won three straight games in pre in the season tournament there. And, uh, uh, and uh, Ricky Soliver and uh, Steve Burke just lit up Iowa State in the final. And that, that, was a, that was a hoot. You know, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I have a hard time picking, you know, destination, you know, obviously, uh, the, the Caribbean ones, St. Martin, the, the Puerto Rico was, was a lot of fun. Uh, also, um, that's, that's probably as far as location goes. I, I, you know, we had a great time when we were out in Puerto Rico, almost beat Purdue and then had to put up with, uh, with seeing them in a hotel for the entire weekend after they beat us at the buzzer there. So. Uh, yeah, th th those are some of my mo most favorite places. Uh, again, the Iowa State tournament in 2005 that we that we won that was that was probably the best time I had on a road trip with uh, Iona, and we won all three games. And I was there, and there were very few other Iona fans there. Hmm. Well, I imagine that's the case a lot of times when you uh, when you hit the road, especially somewhere a little more remote, that you're you're one of the very few that are there. Yes, absolutely. I, I would compete with that and say that I uh, spent a, a weekend alone in Alaska for the Great Alaska Shootout when we also won three games. Okay, so <laughs> I, you know, I was going to mention that super, uh, and 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 I think believes that I was not there because of the weather, and I I need to straighten him out sometime because uh, last you know one of the last times I saw him, he was like, "Where were you in Alaska?" <laughs> <laughs> um, is there somewhere that Iona hasn't played yet? that you want to go to that so that you're hoping Iona plays a game there. So you'll definitely, it's a trip that you're definitely going to take whenever Iona goes there. Well, location wise, Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> an Hawaiian tournament for sure. Although I've been to Hawaii several times, uh, but I, I, you know, obviously that's, that's a great destination. You know, that, that there's one of those European trips. I'm not sure that basketball wise, I think it's why do those trips anyway. But, you know, I know the, uh, the Mac does that Ireland thing, and th that would be also pretty cool. Um, as far as basketball-wise, have we ever played at Cameron Indoor? Yeah. I don't think we have. We have no. No, that, that would be I've, – I've, I've been by there, but now I would go to a game at Cameron Indoor, especially if Ireland was playing. Uh, and before we move on, I want to ask you about some of the, um, you've been to many, many MAC tournaments. Uh, which have been, which has been your favorite? And what do you think of Atlantic City as a potential destination moving forward? So obviously it didn't get a fair shake this year, uh, but moving forward. Yeah, I, you know, people on the board know that uh, I'm one of the few that that actually preferred Albany as the, as, as a, uh, as a destination, and it's and it was si simply because you know there were people there, there was a vibe there that was just better than other places. Um, you know, Atlantic City, you're right, didn't get a fair shake. I I'm, I I think it's you know it was a fun place to be. I think it's a great location. Uh, I, I I think we'll see what happens in the next two years. I'm looking forward to. Well, we'll see what happens this year. First of all, if we have a season, but the. the 
but I'm looking forward to, to going back there. Um, it, the arena is nice. It's the right size. Um, if we can get some people in there, uh, that would be great. So, um, you know, choosing a tournament that uh, a past tournament that I that I like that's that's a that's a tougher one. Uh, the, the one the one that comes to mind most of course is the one where we had a double where the women's team won and the men's team won on the same day. That was particularly fun. I agree with that. So every team message board and Twitter fan base has one. And for Anahoops.com posters, Sharky is ours. That guy who just digs and digs and digs online for recruiting information to share with Iona Faithful. Uh, I should note that Sharky goes by the name Gale Force on Twitter. I'm not, I'd like to know why he has two different names, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but make no mistake, he's just as diligent on Twitter as he is on the Iona message board in terms of just digging at information. Um, trying to find the most recruiting uh, info out there to share with Iona fans. Um, now, Sharky, as Iona coaches are, of course, not allowed to talk about recruiting uh, with the fans, unless, of course, you're at Siena where they don't mind violations. Um, your work is valuable to us, even if sometimes that info uh, that is found online, as we know, is not always accurate. Um, why do you care so much about recruiting to put in the effort that you do? I just always got into it. It's funny, Super mentioned the. Uh, Eastern Basketball Magazine from years back. And that kind of got me started. I just had to come to the house. I couldn't wait for it to come. And believe it or not, the first recruit that really got me hooked was the right-handed Chris Mullen, John Keonic. And they just saw following, and there was this kid, I believe his last name was Hempel, that was in Massachusetts at the time, and that was when they picked me through. And after that, I started getting involved with some AAU programs, not as a coach, but being around and supporting different resources. And I just really got into it to see, you know, how the programs chase kids and helping, helping kids get scholarships to all different levels. It's just pretty rewarding. Do you, uh, and, you know, it's just the bloodline, it's the bloodline of, of the basketball team. You know, that's, that's what makes the program, you know, get these kids in there. Now, what I'm going to ask you about this, because this is going to be interesting uh, to hear how you answer this one. One of the hallmarks of the Clueless era, uh, era was that a lot of times we didn't know much about the kids that we were signing. Um, so I got, as a, as a fan who was somebody who wanted to dig and find out stuff, and all of a sudden we hear about this kid that we didn't know anything about or never heard of before. Um, what was, how would you, how would you describe that? that time in terms of recruiting i mean obviously after after a while when we were winning we just felt like well we just trusted grasso we trusted everybody it didn't really matter so maybe i'll i'll go more toward the beginning of of tim's era what you know what was what was being a passionate recruiting fan about in terms of uh like you're again you're getting kids we don't know that well and yet they here they come they flourish and you get an age english that nobody really heard of and then next thing you know he's one of the best players in the mac in the past decade so talk, I want you to talk to me about about what that what what kind of situation that is for you as a recruiting digger uh, to to not know as much about the kids that we were getting during the Tim Clues era. Oh, it happened. You know, you're right. It happened often. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, we looked at verbal commits and we looked at names posted on the board, and probably ninety percent of the kids that Clues and Grass or not, we never heard of until it was reported. You know, it was, it was tough to get information. It's a little bit easier now, but it was still difficult getting a little relationship to some of the uh, expert uh, 
recruiting gurus on Twitter. I built a relationship with a few writers that are, you know, but for whatever reason will send me some information and see if I knew anything. But it's, you know, you're right. You never know who's going to pop on the screen. I mean, even, even with Patino now, you know, the last couple of recruits they got, I don't think anybody really knew much about Omar Rowe and Dwayne Coloma. They came out of nowhere. You know, especially Coloma. There was a kid, Rosario, who had Iola in his final four. Like, I think he was like a four-star recruit. Everybody thought he was uh, set to come to, you know, I could chance my own. All of a sudden, they, you know, they got Dwayne Coloma, and that would be under that. Hmm. So it's, it's hard now. I mean, you know, we used to have Zags and, and uh, Rosti, and I guess they were getting information from somebody in the program. They would put out, you know, I owners contacted this kid or that kid. But it's it's just digging, you know. There's nothing else better to do. You don't mind digging, I guess. <laughs> I guess that makes me crazy. So uh, you brought up uh, what it's like now. Now, obviously – in this little turn of uh, with Patino as the coach, uh, there was, seems to be, have been a lot more information out there. And then, of course, you're seeing the names tied with some of these kids we're bringing in. Again, as somebody who's been digging into this recruit scene for many years, and now all of a sudden you're seeing every kid we bring in almost tie, you know, tied in with some major or had some you know, several offers or you know, occasional four-star guys. You must be walking around like you know, jumping out of your skin. Talk about that. All right, it's it's incredible. You know, every every kid in this class, every eight kids that he brought in, all had higher than Mac level legitimate offers. Um, you know, I guess we'll talk about it later. You know, Trey James is a four star recruit who was being highly chased by Iowa. You know, program back program don't get those high school kids like that beating out. You know, Big Ten teams that are nationally ranked and everything else, but it's exciting. You know, you look at the, the current list and you wonder who's going to be the stars. And who's, I mean, it's not reasonable to think all eight are going to come in and uh, light the world up, but it's – I've gone back and forth as far as who the sleeper would be and who I think the impact guys right away are. And it's good to have that tough decision to make. You know, yeah. They're all on paper anyway pretty good. I, I was just going to go that way with you as well. Is that like you? We have all these kids, and they all look like they have potential. Some are more raw, you know that. But you just feel like, wow, these. All, there's not one kid here that looks like they're going to be a total bust. Even though odds are one or two, at least probably will be. But I'll ask you this, and I, although I think I know your answer, who's the one recruit that you just can't wait to see this year? Taylor Chip, it's. I've gone back and forth, and for the longest, it's been Shima. But, man, Chavez looks really good to me. I mean, the numbers he put up, he's probably going to play a lot of point guard. I mean, really, really highly uh, thought of among the recruiting gurus. So it's like 1A and 1B, but I, right now I kind of think Chavez is going to be the biggest star out of, out of the group, which might be a surprise to some because most, I think, look at Shima. But it's it's close. That's it. It's a good problem to have. And you have two kids like that. Then. Right. That's right. And if I had – again, I, we, we just talked about how deep this class looks. Uh, if there's one kid in there that, eh, you got the feeling maybe Iona fans are overlooking a little bit, who's the one kid that you – maybe sleeper is a strong word, but 
for lack of a better term, we'll call it sleeper. Who's that one sleeper in your eyes that the kid might blow up that nobody really sees coming completely? Uh, I've gone back and forth with that as well, but right now I say Dwayne Coloma. You know, he's an athletic kid. He's a six-seven kid. He's could guard, you know, one to four on the court. He's very smart, has a handle, plays defense. And he, he offers the one thing that's really lacking on the roster. When you look at it, he's that six seven small forward type kid that can also play some guard. You know, it's like you have guards, and you have bigs, and then you have Coloma in the middle. And he, I think he's going to surprise something that the roster currently doesn't really have. He, he kind of reminds me of a more of athletic uh, LeVon Long. Oh. Where he's going to give, you know, a little bit of like a do-everything type kid. Hope he doesn't foul as much. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. He's known for his defense, Coloma. So <laughs> yeah. that was that was for our. Team. Don't get me in trouble. I'm already in trouble with the Sienna fans. Don't get me in more trouble. We have to give them our, our love when we can. Um, I'll ask. I'll ask. Uh, um, uh, Super and Greg Crow the same question. Uh, who's that one kid that you can't wait to see? And who's the uh, one kid that you think that people haven't been overlooking a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. We have a lot of little uh, banded uh, programs down in uh, Southwest Florida that produce a lot of kids and attract a lot of international kids and right near IMG Academy. And uh, they they think that uh, Chavez, uh, one of the coaches from TCU, formerly affiliated with TCU, thinks Chavez is a can't miss and hopes everyone can hold on to him for four years. Uh, they, they think he's a much better than any, any player in the MAC. And uh, they said we're going to be we're going to be thrilled them. But just to go back to what uh, Charlie said, they also mentioned Corona, and uh, they they because they know Isaiah Williams because he played down here, and they said that he will remind you of Isaiah Williams, but he's a much better overall offensive player. Oh wow! Hmm. How are you good to hear? <laughs> and I will say is I I I concur with both of both of you guys, but I, I'll go. Just the one that I find interesting to me, and that's that's Ryan Myers. Uh, I, he just seems like an interesting player. And then Sharky, maybe you can fill us in a little bit more on him. But he, he, you know, um, I, I see him as, as as somebody who could develop. I agree. I think he's. I think he's going to be very good. You know, just I have to go there. I'm glad a certain Mac team passed on him <laughs> because he's the type of kid. You know. CHS, double-A kid, tough kid. Those are guys that always thrive in the Mac and Iona. And he the kid can flat-out shoot. He played big in all of Christ the King's up games. And, yeah, I, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to get some good chance to get some serious, you know, playing time. It's going to be interesting to see who, we, who Patino goes with as one of the starters. Uh, but he's going to get some part. He's going to have a chance to get some runs. It's up to him. But he can play. All right. Um, so we we open, we started talking about this a little bit earlier, and I'm going to go back to it. Um, when I first had the thought of assembling this panel, I really wanted to get a young Iona fan, perhaps a current student or a you know a young alum somewhere in their 20s, because I I thought it would have been a nice balance to have somebody in that age range to get perspective of of a kid who you know has just only experienced the Tim Plus era and uh, era, never ex certainly experienced anything before that. Uh, um, but none of them really wanted to come on. Uh, and I didn't really, I didn't hear from any, I know that there are some money on a board. I know that there are some that follow me on Twitter and, and nobody really responded to it, even though, uh, 
you know, you would think that they, you know, would want to represent. Um, so obviously these youngins aren't as gung-ho about Iona Hoops as, as we old farts are. Um, speaking as a bunch of old farts, uh, you know, why do we think that is? How do we get younger fans more into Iona basketball, particularly with the start of Patino era upon us? Uh, anybody want to chime in there? Go for it. I just, I just jump on that a little bit. I mean, um, we have we have been having the same problem for nearly ten years now with the Gold Club trying to attract uh, some younger people, former players or whatever, to are going to be a more visible presence there. But I think I recall when you did the the podcast with the Monmouth guys, they complained about the same thing. They can't get any twenty year olds to come to games or any anything else. And I gave you my my half baked theory earlier about the fact that the social media has kind of replaced the in the in place. Uh, presence uh, at, at events and uh, you know I, I think there's something I really believe there's something to that yeah it's hard to it's hard to figure out a guy mentioned he couldn't get the young guys off of Twitter I was shocked there's at least two that I know of that have been pretty active on Twitter over the last few months talking I own a hoops one even made up his own I own a hoops website that website with Twitter handle and I was shocked, you know, that they wouldn't want to come on and talk, and even it was just to, you know, to pop up their Twitter handle. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, it's hard to figure. I mean, I think social media wise, it, it, I don't see it be much more active recently. So maybe that'll get the kids going once. I guess we know what's going to happen with the season. At least that's my hope, anyway. So I, I think there's I think there's two there's two sort of separate things. One is one is the Gold Club fundraising arm of this, which is obviously very very big. You know, I, I, and and you know I share Super's frustration, all of our frustration. I think in that getting young people, recent graduates, ex players involved in that, um, at least on some level, uh, you know, to do some fundraising is you know obviously critical. Um, it, I, I hopefully Patino, as he you know gets gets on campus and gets ingratiated into the uh, into the team that, that he'll he'll help with that because I, I, I he strikes me uh, from watching him for years he's not a shy guy so I think I think he can can be a big asset there. The second thing is to me, and this is a frustration I've had for a long long time, is getting the team. Uh, involved in a local community uh, you know it's the only division one school in Westchester you know we really should be Westchester's team but I don't see that I don't see the community getting involved I don't see them getting hyped about it you know um, you know with you know I watch the even some of the bigger schools around here and you know the the team gets out in the community they do charity events they, they do pub, public events you know constantly um, and, and, you know, there's really no reason why we shouldn't be doing that, too, getting out in the Westchester community and sort of selling the team that way. And that's interesting because, uh, again, we haven't heard a lot from uh, – the Iona fans have not heard a lot from Patino, but I know that uh, – and I've mentioned this on the message boards uh, – that uh, we there was a, a, a letter from Patino that went out to a lot of gold clubbers uh, – uh, 
trying to get the fundraising going already. And, you know, we've heard Patino talk about it in com press conferences that he wants to see the facilities upgraded even more. Now, not necessarily the, the actual court and, and what's already been done, but the other stuff and maybe having a basketball only facility, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and he, so he's talking about fundraising and he knows it's going to be fundraising involved if we're ever going to become the Gonzaga as the East, as he keeps saying and all that, whether that's possible or not, we'll have to see. Um, what do you guys think Iona could do in terms of um, in terms of, of getting Patino as a focal point in, in fundraising and 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 working with the fans more in that regard? What do you guys think? I think I think Rick is gonna. I think he understands the uh, dynamics of Iona. I think he understands Iona very well. Uh, and he's going to have to tap into his own network uh, to start bringing some fundraising in from outside the immediate Iona community. I think that I think we can he almost guarantee that that's going to happen. Uh, but I think that the, there needs to be some event structure that have him present speaking and asking for money. Uh, we had a couple of candid conversations with Tim Clues. Tim is a, a great guy. Uh, I, I love the guy as a human being, as a coach, but he really did not want to get directly involved. It was not, I think it was bashful, but did not want to get directly involved in the, in the fundraising aspect of coaching. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the reason there is a goal club is because of Valvano. Valvano knew he needed to get money other than the, the athletic budget. So he put a bunch of people together and there was a goal club. Um, and that would probably be a topic for another night, the, the whole goal club situation. But, um, I, you know, there's no doubt that I think the... Um, particularly the guys and people on the board have a very unrealistic view of what it's going to take to get the program to move ahead uh, and what every individual is going to have to think about doing in order to, to move the program ahead. And that's a stretch. I also think the program has to get better uh, at asking uh, and, you know, bringing Patino to meetings and, uh, and, and with, with maybe four or five potential donors, you know, uh, like, like you said, a bunch of senior citizens like myself and, uh, and, and, uh, directly ask for support. I mean, it's, it's one thing for the goal club director or the athletic director to ask for money. When the head coach is out there asking for money, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's a whole different, a whole different message. And I think that I think that can generate some excitement, but he's got to ask for funds. He's, he can't just go out and talk about the program. He's got to ask for funds and talk realistically about the kind of funds that are going to be needed to make Gonzaga of these. I, mean, I live right near Dick Vital. I get to see him on occasion, although not a lot recently with the COVID stuff, but I did run into him the other day. And he's talking about Patino all the time. He said that uh, Gonzaga of the East, Gonzaga of the East, you're watching Gonzaga of the East. He talked about how when he was coaching Detroit, he used to come to New Rochelle because it was a cupcake win for him, you know, but he had some good teams when he was at Detroit. But he said he thinks it's possible. He said there's no strong, you know, you know, New York metropolitan area basketball program right now, and why couldn't it be Iona College? That's that's his belief. That's Rick Pitino wants to do. Okay, uh, I want to switch us off of uh, that gear for a, for a little bit here and uh, talk about our upcoming season if it happens. Uh, even with the magic of the Pitino effect, he can't make COVID go away. Um, so, given what we're seeing today to be very current with college football players starting to unionize and, uh, and now I saw this morning the, the Big Ten said they're not playing so I think what we're going to see is we're going to see college football completely end 
Um, I hate to be negative, but I can't help but feel like we may not even have a season at this point. Though in my mind, it's still too soon to make any sort of call officially on it. Uh, regard, you know, whether it's starting in November as planned, waiting until January, like Patino suggested, or just canceling everything. Um, so let me ask each of you, what do you guys think should happen this season? And what do you guys think will happen this season? Well, I, th- I think the, the other conference is, is history. I just can't see how they're going to shut football down and start basketball up in first week in November when that, you know, football season be, you know, full steam. So I just can't see that happening. I think sometime in January we'll just have the conference games and, and go for there. Hopefully they can that will work at the NCAA tournament in. And go from there. I just can't. I would be shocked if they get this going in November. You know, with, you know, with this union stuff. Uh, I mean, look, the NCAA is is the worst. But you gotta watch. You know, that's it. You gotta watch what you ask, but you just might get it. And if they unionize, so that goes both ways. Now you gotta collectively bargain, and the NCAA is gonna push back on certain things and. And that'll be the end. That'll be the end of low major, mid major basketball. That statement they put on Twitter pretty much said it's for the Power Five conferences representing them. So you're going to have a mini NBA, you know, of the, of the five power conferences, and low major, mid major will be on their own, and stuff probably separate tournaments. So I can't see that being a good thing you know, for fans like ourselves that, you know, that deal with Iona and the Mac. Yeah, the the five big the big five conferences. The presidents met yesterday, and this uh, Big Ten thing leaked out. Uh, there was no vote taken yesterday, but um, uh, obviously there was some serious discussion about canceling football. Uh, and I think that you know, back to what Sharky said, but the, the basketball season actually starts in September when the kids can get together and start practicing together. And uh, you know that's thirty days away from now. And uh, I just if, if football makes a move, I don't see anything like that happening. Uh, I think we saw the dominoes fell with the with the basketball once the NBA decided to do what they did. And I think we're looking at the same dominoes. I'm very concerned that we're, we're going to have a basketball season this year. I, I right now I'm betting no. Uh, I think Tina had a great idea, but I think looking at the science. Um, Who's going to know where we stand in January, uh, even for the non for the non uh, for the conference game? So, um, really, very doubtful that we're going to have a basketball season this year. I hope I'm wrong. I've been wrong on a lot of things before, but I hope I'm wrong on this. I hope you're wrong too. I, I want to say I, I think I like the Tino ahead of it. I, I I think that is the right move. Is let's you know I think they should just if they're going to plan, let's just plan for January now. I mean, I, I see there's still some scheduling things going on for November and December, and I think that's just being way, way too optimistic. And, and I, you know, unfortunately, I tend to be on the pessimistic side here, here too. I, I, I normally am not, <laughs> um, but realistically, uh, you know, Super, you mentioned the science. I think even, even under the best case scenario, by the time a vaccine is ready to to move forward, it will be probably mid-January before they can get it out to the marketplace. You know, they may have one ready in December, right? That's what they're talking about. But before they can get out to the marketplace is mid-January. You're talking probably May before you can get, this, you know, full distribution to where we've we've kind of killed this off a little bit. So it's hard 
to believe that a vaccine, and I've kind of taken that position all along that, that they can actually do this. Um, on the other hand, you know, the European soccer leagues, you know, they, they you know, I, I see they had a couple of positives yesterday there, but um, somehow they've been able to push forward. I know they've been ahead of us. So, so you never know. So I'm holding on to hope. Yeah, and I think there's a false hope that, oh, there'll be a vaccine release. That'll solve everything. You know, the first releases of vaccines rarely are the ones that solve all the problems. So yeah. I think I'm starting to agree. I just feel like I, I just can't see any scenario where we'll start in November for sure. And I am not even certain we'll, we'll be, especially yeah. this uh, wave two coming and during the colder months that we'll actually be playing in January even. Uh, and I you know, it's, it stinks because, of course, we have this uh, legend now running our program, and yet we're going to be on hold. Uh, you know, is that a positive or, or a negative for Iona basketball to have, say, a year off, quote-unquote, where nobody's playing, and that we would have a year of I, – I wonder how that affects his contract. I wonder how that affects his buyout. Right. All these are weird, you know, strange questions that yeah. have to be – I wonder how it's going to affect his standing with the NCAA. Uh, all, so many questions come up if we don't have a season. Um, and whether all these kids even stay is a question. Um, so I, I, I keep thinking about Asante. Just he, he sat a year so he could play for Cluse, and he may never play at Iona. And uh, it's a kind of a kind of a sad, uh, sad little story. But uh, you know, the, the seniors who came, I, I guess Ross sat out a year also, right? So uh, uh, it's kind of a, kind of an unfortunate thing. I think the other, and uh, this is without getting political, but and I, and I dealt with this in my career, the anti-vaxxers, as I call them, are a, a growing movement. And I had to deal with that very directly when I was working. And uh, they, they're going to really step up on this, particularly if we're talking about expediting the uh, production of the vaccine. I think that's going to have a major impact on people's willingness to take the vaccine, including, you know, the, co including the college students. I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff out there. Um, true and untrue about vaccinations. I'm just concerned about what the impact that that's going to be on the, on global health. You guys are too young to remember polio, you know? So uh, it was a, it was a scary time. They were developing a vaccine for polio and people getting, I had friends who got polio, you know, and, uh, and then you had to take the shot to prevent you from getting polio. Well, guess what? You know, pe people took it, but um, there was a little less anti-vax uh, stuff going on at that time. Enough, enough for me on that topic. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting if they don't have a season. You know, they don't have a season. What do the four seniors do? I mean, I would imagine the NCAA will give all seniors another year to play. But then, what happens to the kids that are coming in at twenty-one? You know, Iona has three kids already committed. I mean. What's it going to be for a year? You know, with those kids now don't have scholarships, they have to look elsewhere for 21, or the NCAA can allow teams to have 16 scholarships. Can I, I don't know, afford 16 scholarships? It's, I think it's scary and it's frustrating. I think exactly that's exactly where they're going to do. I think you have to have a one year exemption on the number of scholarships because of that reason. Honestly, I think some of that will straighten itself out, not all of it, but I mean, it, you can say 16 scholarships, but who wants to be the 16th player on the 16th team? You know, so I think you'll see some movement, which will be unfortunate, but it'll be unfortunate, I guess, equally for everyone. Yeah. That's true. I, get it. I mean, 
I, I only can afford 16 scholarships. You know, how can I afford 16 scholarships? Any, any magazine who could yeah. afford 16 scholarships. And, right. And it, it, it's sad, but. Yeah, because we're dropping sports and, and, you know, we haven't, uh, but other, you know, other schools are dropping sports and Canisius, I think, just dropped some sports. Um, and then you're going to tell them, okay, you, you could pick up a couple more scholarships this year. Uh, I don't know. That's not going to sit well. Uh, oh, uh, oh. Well, Canisius dropped an assistant basketball coach. So that tells you the condition there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough situation. Well, this will be going onward and forward into the fall, and we'll be all watching it. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we have a season only because uh, I'm going to run out of guests if we don't. Um, so <laughs> I have to have more fans come on and talk and, and, and so people don't have to listen to me. Um, well, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to, uh, to do this today. Um, you, know, it's a you know, we're doing this on a Monday afternoon when we're all supposed to be working for a living. Um, Although I guess some of you guys might be older and retired, but so, you know, Greg and I work for a living. Um, so yep. anyway, or at least I work. I don't know if I, if I make a living out of it. Uh, <laughs> so, well, we'll see what happens. Um, if, hey, uh, if you're listening to this and you enjoyed what you're here, uh, come join the, uh, us in the lunacy that exists on the uh, ironhoops.com message board. We're all gabbing all the time about whatever's going on. It's been a little quieter as of late because I think we're all waiting to see what happens and recruiting finally slowed down. Um, but, uh, you know, stay tuned and, uh, keep, keep your eyes on that board for any, any news related to Iona Oops. And of course, uh, as I, uh, said earlier in the podcast, uh, uh, you know, there's, we have some great guests moving forward. Uh, so, and, and this won't be the first fan panel either. So stick around. Thank you guys for joining though. Uh, thanks for the invite. I had a good time. Thanks, thanks for doing this big service. All right. Thanks, thanks guy. I really, really appreciate it. And despite what, uh, some people on the board may write about this only being an okay uh, podcast. I think you do a terrific job. I, th I fake it really well. <laughs> we won't go there. That's 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 another topic for uh, tag Mac after dark. Anyway, um, so thanks again for everybody joining, and uh, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Take care. Thank you all for listening to episode six of the ionahoops.com podcast. Uh, always glad to have you aboard. Uh, stick around. Next week, we're going to have a new episode drop a little sooner than normal. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and go Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the ionahoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of ionahoops.com and its publisher, Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, ionahoops.com, and any future guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting ionahoops.com.